This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio. Welcome to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. On this show, we capture real entrepreneurs pitching real investors for real money. Late last year, we invited entrepreneurs to a studio in San Francisco. Each founder came for one reason, to try to raise money for their startup. Hey, how we doing? George? Yeah. I'm Josh. Nice We followed the founders into the room where they pitched to a panel of shrewd investors. These are real companies, real investors, making actual decisions to invest their money on the spot. And we caught it all on tape. On each episode, we're going to follow the story of a founder's pitch to investors, right up to the moment when everything is on the line and the investors decide their fate. This week... Really, my goal is to build a billion-dollar company. How many women did you study? So it was 50 on baby scripts with the optimized visit schedule being It's only 50 women. In this episode, co-founder Juan Pablo Segura pitches baby scripts. It's a startup that hopes to revolutionize the way expectant mothers receive prenatal care by connecting them directly with their doctor through an app on their phone. Juan Pablo wants to harness the power of big data by letting technology take the place of doctor's visits. Now, it's one thing to use an app to order some chicken pad thai, but when it comes to pregnancy, is more technology really the answer? We leave it up to our panel of savvy investors to decide. I'm Phil Nadell with Barbara Corcoran Venture Partners. Phil co-founded one of the largest syndicates on AngelList called Barbara Corcoran Venture Partners. If for some reason the members don't bite, then the thing falls apart. Phil is a straight shooter looking for companies without a lot of question marks. This is Jillian Manis. My fund is Structure Capital. Jillian is something of a legend in the world of venture capital. In her early 20s, she survived domestic abuse that left her living in shelters in New York City. She was able to pick herself up, start several companies, and is now a multimillionaire. You can have the most incredible product, but if you don't know how to talk about it, you're going to have a problem accelerating it. Jillian tends to take center stage and really drive the conversation. My name's Jake Chapman with Gelt Venture Capital. Jake founded the venture arm of Gelt Inc., an investment firm with over a billion dollars in assets under management. They're going to shut you down on that name. It's definitely trademark infringement. As a former attorney, Jake brings a lawyerly mindset into a pitch. If a founder can hold up under cross-examination, he might just invest. Hey, I'm Howie Diamond, and I'm with Ranch Ventures. Rounding out our panel of investors is Howie, who founded the VC firm Ranch Ventures. There needs to be a moral and ethical kind of code that's, that's aligned. Howie is looking for altruistic companies. He'll only go in on a startup that's making the world a better place. Okay, on with the pitch. All right, Juan, you're on. Rock our socks. Yeah, exactly. Socks off. All right, cool. Um, 
So hello everyone, my name is Juan Pablo Segura. I'm one of the founders of Baby Scripts. Uh, growing up in a family of six, my mother being pregnant was a very familiar and beautiful concept uh, with my siblings and I growing up. Um, but it was also uh, a scary time. You know, my mother actually suffered from three miscarriages. The reasons why were beyond any person or doctor's understanding. No one knows why problems still to this day occur in pregnancy. And so we said, you know what? It is estimated that 15 to 20 percent of all pregnancies in the U.S. end in miscarriage. And often there's little warning about when and why these miscarriages occur. So we said, you know what? Technology and big data can start answering some of these questions. So Juan Pablo and his co-founder Anish set out to create Baby Scripts, a company that takes already existing technology and puts it to work for expectant mothers. There is no company that has been able to like really take connected medical devices and make them the standard of care. And everyone's talking about taking costs out of the hospital, which is really expensive and into the home. Mm-hmm. You can't do that without connected medical devices. Connected medical devices. That's just a fancy way of saying medical instruments that are connected to the internet. In Baby Scripps' case, they are two things probably everyone is familiar with. There's a blood pressure cuff and a weight scale that are both connected to the internet and a patient. Basically, every week of their pregnancy, Baby Scripps users take their blood pressure and weight in the comfort of their own home. That information is uploaded automatically to the app and it sends that right to their doctor. And if there's a problem? So blood pressure's too high, too much weight gain or weight loss in a week. And if anything's wrong, we tell the patient's doctor in real time so that the doctor can intervene. For patients with a low-risk pregnancy, Baby Scripts is meant to replicate a routine appointment and reduce the time patients spend with their doctor. Kicking off the questions is our straight shooter, Phil Nadell. So this is um, what to expect when you're expecting put onto pretty an much. We've essentially been able to automate a lot of prenatal care using our devices in our app. Instead of patients going in 14 times to see their doctor, um, through baby scripts, uh, patients only go in eight times. Do patients mind not um, having as many doctor's appointments? Because, I mean, there's, I, I know I've been pregnant four times. The thought is, is that you worry every time, right? Um, yeah, they have peace that, of mind when it, you go to the yeah, doctor. Yeah, you actually look forward to going to the doctor, and yes. Yeah, so we knew that that question would come up. Right. <laughs> when we talk to doctors, obviously patient satisfaction is very important. Like, for example, we've published two studies really showing the efficacy of the product. Um, this is actually really unusual. Most entrepreneurs just release their product into the wild and then see what happens. But here, rather than going straight to market with baby scripts, Juan Pablo and Anish first did this scientific study to gauge patient satisfaction with baby scripts. Essentially, they wanted to see if moms would trust the app as much as their doctor. And according to Juan Pablo, they did. But Jillian, the only actual mom in the room, isn't convinced. I would think, personally, if a, if a doctor were to say to me, listen, I'm going to give you this kit. Now I'm not going to, I'm going to see you half of the time. Um, this will take care of the rest of it. I would have a problem with that, actually. Yeah, so that's really where the controlled study was very important for us and the way that we position the product. So number one, I mean, we've proven that patients are more satisfied. How many women did you study? So it was 50 on baby scripts with okay. the optimized visit schedule okay, being remote monitored. It's only 50 women. 
but it actually was powered so, uh, clinically okay. like enough to be able to make a claim on it. Like we took a very like educated and, and scientific approach to it. So it was a powered study focused on satisfaction. It feels like Juan Pablo might be missing Jillian's point, which is, sure, you've done this empirical study with moms, but I am a mom, and I'm not sure I would be comfortable replacing my doctor's visits with an app that just says, don't worry, you're fine. Juan Pablo can tell he's losing his audience, so he doubles down on the argument he feels most comfortable with, big data. You know, we're generating 30 times the amount of data and touch points. But Um, how can you... How can you generate that much data just from a scale and a cuff? Isn't that just the weight and the blood pressure? Well, the the reason why prenatal care exists as a category is actually to manage blood pressure. Everything else is an extension. Um, So if you look at every visit that occurs in the the pregnancy experience, you're, you're always checking weight always checking blood pressure and answering questions. There are some visits where you're doing more, right? Ultrasounds, genetic tests, and we're not eliminating or or optimizing those appointments. We're really focused on the routine appointments that occur early in the pregnancy and a few a little later on in the pregnancy. But you would think that the patient, in order to have that peace of mind that they would get going to the doctor's office where the doctor looks at them, checks the blood pressure, checks the weight, and says, you're looking good, thumbs up, you'd think they'd want that kind of reassurance each time that the doctor gets the measurements in order to have that increased peace of mind. And listens to the baby, that you let, you know, you yeah, listen sure. to the baby's heart. You, I mean, there's a lot of things, you, you know, I'm a little concerned that it's not just the blood pressure and it's not just the weight. Does that mean when the doctor's getting this data from the kit, are they communicating it all with the patient and saying, hey, you're, you're looking good, the numbers look good? Or are they just saying, by exception, they'll communicate if the numbers don't look good? Typically, I mean, the way we've set it up is that we alert them if there's an issue. Um, for example, blood pressure's too high could be symptomatic of something called preeclampsia. Sure. Um, that's, that's very dangerous, right? So um, we'll obviously communicate concerns in that area. Um, but if things are okay and, you know, there are no triggers, most mm. providers, because they're very busy, uh, most doctors, you know, don't want to be bothered with a lot of data. But you would think that the- Identifying an emergency like preeclampsia early on in the pregnancy is exactly why Juan Pablo thinks baby scripts is the future of prenatal care. The goal here, and as we continue to align the product, um, it's it's really focused on being able to show that remote monitoring um, can start to move the needle in, in outcomes, right? And that's, uh, for example, the fact that we've had two interventions uh, through our program where we've saved someone's two, two pregnancies, we detected preeclampsia, and we're able to triage that to the doctor. Um, so, you know, but really, just so you yeah. know, that would have been, I mean, a doctor's visit would have found that out as well. Well, the problem is that there are there are gaps right in between the doctor's offices. So you know they're they're waiting sometimes two, three, four weeks right. in between appointments. Right. You know we're capturing on average about one point five data points a week. So you know we have we're three times as likely right to detect right. a problem like that. You can tell Jillian is still not entirely bought in, but for every objection she raises, Juan Pablo does have an answer. Why can't the woman just have a cuff and step on the scale and 
put it into the app, I mean, and just com- communicate it with the doctor that way. Yeah. This is my, I'll have a little piece, you know, a little uh, calendar in the app, and every day she just goes in and tells what her weight is, tells what her blood pressure is once a week, and you're good to go. If I could just interject, sure. I think, yeah. on his behalf, I think the difference is they're harmonizing the data and looking for ir- irrelevant data points before the doctor even sees it. If the patient has to look at the data, well, you there's know, no data. It's but, you take your weight, you take your blood pressure, done. Oh yeah, but that data is is automatically sent to the cloud. What if the there's a, a a missed uh, a input data point okay. where what ends up happening is if you're not controlling the flow and delivering, for example, devices that actually are accurate. So so there's all okay. that process okay. we're taking care of, all and right. that's what's driving right the the fact that it sounds like Juan Pablo is slowly talking investors into his vision. In fact. He actually had Phil making his points to Jillian for him. And when you're a founder pitching your startup, one of the best things that can happen is for an investor to start giving your pitch. At this point, investors Jake Chapman and Howie Diamond start chiming in. How many births are there in the U.S. a year? So 4 million births. Okay, and about 60% are low risk? Yeah, 60% low risk. Yep. What's, um, what was the compliancy um, from your study? Uh, the compliance? Yeah. Yeah, so we published, and it's actually a lot higher now, but it's we we captured 75% of women every week were taking their weight, their blood pressure, and using our app. Now amongst our, our customer base, uh, we're at around 90% compliance because obviously we're making— So 90% of people who get baby scripts use it every week. That's huge. Like, it's hard enough for tech entrepreneurs to convince people to download their app, let alone use the thing. You can almost hear the wheels starting to turn in Jake and Howie's minds. 90% compliance. And with 4 million births a year, 60% of which are low risk, that equals 2.4 million potential users. And at $300 a pop, the investors may be starting to take baby scripts seriously. The question is, who's actually using the product? Um, but now we're in more than 10 health systems around the country. So what does that represent um, in terms of patients? Yeah, so right now we have 1,000 patients under management. So the much. doctors are your customers. Yep. Okay, this is an interesting wrinkle. Rather than selling baby scripts directly to patients, Juan Pablo and Anish chose to market their product to doctors. This means that if a hospital decides to buy it, they then have to turn around and convince their patients to use it. In order for anything in digital healthcare to work, you have to work with the most trusted channel and partner in the healthcare experience, and that's the doctor. I could have gone consumer, um, and I think, sure, maybe I would have generated a million dollars maybe extra in sales, but really my goal is to build a billion-dollar company. The doctor is paying you for access to the data about their patients. For the entire experience. So essentially, we'll go to them and say, you know, we have an incredible kind of 21st century experience that you can offer to your patients. Um, and so you should purchase from us. And we'll also help you make more money for every pregnancy that you deliver. Uh, how do they um, make more money? Yeah, so this is uh, it's very specific to how doctors get paid. Um, so doctors in this country um, get paid something called a global fee for managing the entire pregnancy. So essentially, it's like a lump sum payment. Um, for managing the prenatal care, the time spent delivering the child, and one postpartum visit. Um, So it doesn't matter if a patient goes in 40 times or five times, the doctor gets paid the exact same amount of money. This lump sum thing that Juan Pablo is talking about is also known as a bundled payment, and is exactly how it sounds. Prenatal doctors make the same amount of money whether they see you two times or 20. 
And you can imagine how this could become a problem. So if doctors are making a flat rate, then they could have less of an incentive to see patients as often and have more of an incentive to see as many patients as they can, which could compromise care. But BabyScripts embraces this problem. So we essentially help the doctors make more money because um, we allow them to still make the same amount of money, but they see pregnant patients about 40% less often in the office. And so they have 40% more time that they can use on another procedure, seeing more patients. Uh, And typically, uh, a practice will make about $600 more per pregnancy, and the cost of baby scripts is $300. Um, So they make about 100% return on investment when they work with us. And according to Juan Pablo... BabyScripts fills in the gaps between appointments, thus creating a safer pregnancy and delivery. Yeah, and, and again, you know, how do you how do you mitigate the risk of a C-section? How do you um, how are you able to intervene if a patient's gaining too much weight in between visits? Right. Well, you need uh, a system that can capture incredible amounts of data in between appointments and essentially intervene behaviorally if there are issues. And BabyScripts, we've created the 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 piping to be able to do that. Bottom line, Baby Scripts addresses a problem created by the current bundled payment model. But could future changes in healthcare threaten this? What do you uh, what do you make of the existential risk of the insurance companies yeah. changing their compensation plans and methods so that now they're not getting paid one lump sum for the whole pregnancy and they're getting paid per appointment or that kind of thing? I I don't see that happening. I see it actually going the other way, which is it's going to be more and more focused on uh, finding more things to include in that lump sum so that they don't have to pay as much for more services or, or problems that occur in the pregnancy. Juan Pablo sounds pretty confident that lump sum payments will remain the model for how doctors get paid. But he kind of has to be. After all, he's wagered his entire company on this premise. Because if he's wrong, if doctors start charging per appointment instead, Baby Scripts' whole business model falls apart. And with healthcare in flux the way it is, this is a pretty big gamble. How much revenue have you generated to date? I mean, it's around $400,000. Um, in the last, because you've launched over the last year? Yeah, yeah. So so it's be, basically been product. this year's like our first year revenue. Okay. Yeah, so, so this, this is year. like okay. the first year for us. And okay. so, um, yeah, I mean, well, we've booked already four hundred. I believe I can get to about $700,000 by the end of this year with all the deals we have in our pipeline. I mean, if you really think about what we're doing, right. and this is where I think it, it really gets interesting, what we're the model we've delivered is actually triple aim healthcare. Yes. Because we're reducing the cost of care, yeah. we're improving access to care, so we reduce the cost of care by 40%. We improve access to care because you can get prenatal care wherever you are, through the app and the devices, and we're actually improving outcomes. So that literally, you know, we, we're, we've had interventions where we save lives. BabyScripts has done that. So what are you raising and what are the terms? Yeah, um, we're raising $3.5 million um, to really expand our sales reach and onboard 20 more customers, uh, health system customers. You're raising 3.5 and the valuation is what? Yeah, so it's a $10 million pre-money. Okay. How much of the $3.5 million do you have committed so far? So about $2.5 million. Baby Scripps needs to raise another million dollars to complete this round of funding. Has Juan Pablo convinced investors to take a chance on his startup? Phil, our straight shooter, weighs in first. Well, 
I really like what you're doing, you're making great progress. I feel like you've you've uh, attacked this this problem in a smart way by starting with the studies to prove the efficacy, to prove what you're doing, because you know that that's what they're going to require, your, your customers are going to require. So I think you've approached it in a smart way. Um, I'd like to participate. Uh, so, awesome. uh, so I'm in for 250,000. Oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So Phil is in. Here's Jillian. I, um, I love this. And for so many reasons, I'm personally and professionally connected to this. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to do 500,000. And (laughs) what I'd like to do with that is, and just to be clear, um, I have a venture fund, which is Structure Capital. I have my own. So I would like to bring this to them to either do all of the 500,000 or to break this out so that I do a piece of this, they do a piece of this, and then our LPs who get to directly invest have the opportunity to do this. But I'd like you to carve out 500,000 for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Juan Pablo has just scored $750,000 in funding for baby scripts. Now can you hook Jake, the skeptical attorney, and Howie, our altruistic investor? Here's Jake. I, uh, I love you. I think you know this business like amazingly well. You've answered all the questions immaculately. Um, I, I think you have the prescription for success. Oh, nice. Is that a good one? Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Um, I was waiting for it. I, too, really want to invest in this company. I think your your round is is all of a sudden oversubscribed. Um, so I'm feeling a little like I've got to be scrappy here. We're a smaller fund. I'd like to do $50,000. Um, but I think I think what you're working on is amazing. I think you're you're making a difference in the world, a positive difference. And I think you're going to make a boatload of money. Yeah. And uh, when I can combine those two things, like, it really gets me excited. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So, Howie, can we make it quadruplets? Let's do it. I mean, look, it's, right. it's a no-brainer to me. You, uh, This exactly fits my thesis for my fund. I'm, I'm even smaller than, than Jake, so I write 25 to 50K checks. But, but I, I think that those are the types of projects that I like to put myself into, that I like to participate in, you know, not only as an investor, but also as a partner to sort of help because that's what gets me up in the morning. So this directly fits the type of deal that I, that I really get excited about and, and I'd like to be in for $30,000. That's awesome. This is so cool. Yeah, I, okay, this, I, I, I don't know what to say except uh, I'll bring the, you know, I, I take cash, uh, wire, and, uh, you know, so anything that, uh, that has a dollar bill in front of it. So that's awesome. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you Your round is now almost yeah, full. Yeah, Congratulations. All four investors have gone in on funding baby scripts. Juan Pablo leaves the room with more than $800,000 in funding. And he's not the only one who's excited. That's, yeah. I gotta tell you something, guys. I can awesome. do so much with this. So so I will make sure that your investment is very, very good. I would put a million in if I could, to tell you the truth. In my head, I'm thinking. Juan Pablo crushed his pitch to investors. But what happened after the pitch may surprise you. When we come back, a lesson on what to do when a deal goes south. And all you can do is reflect on what went wrong. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all 
they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Recently, Juan Pablo and I sat down to catch up on what happened after his pitch, otherwise known as the due diligence period, where investors finalize their deals. Welcome back to the pitch. It's been nine months. Is that about right? Yeah, nine very, very long months. So yeah. Uh-huh. Have they been pretty rough? Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting process because I think you have to look at any entrepreneur obviously has to manage you know, you can have one person just focused on growing the business and then one person just fundraising. Um, but the unfortunate reality of being an entrepreneur is that you have to do both at the same time. Yeah. And that means that you are undateable. That means that you're a bad family member because you miss a lot of anniversaries, but it's a <laughs> calling and a vocation. So, you know, this is just what you have to do in order to be great. And, uh, and you can't be ashamed about it. Obviously, you have to just keep pushing ahead. Let's talk about the pitch. Uh, to the four investors on our show. From what I understand, some things uh, turned out a little bit differently after the fact. Yep. So, yeah, give me your side of of what happened after the pitch, after you walked out of the room. Yeah, so what ended up happening was Phil kind of led the charge um, and and would, you know, he was very thorough. So, you know, he looked at our, our, our due diligence room and then would come back with like 30 questions. <laughs> and then I'd have to go back and answer all of his questions. You're not exaggerating with 30, are you? No, no, it was a lot of questions. Um, we had projected that we were going to close um, this year with about $700,000 of revenue. You know, as we were, obviously, as they were doing diligence, the year was finishing and people kept asking, okay, what was revenue this month? What yeah. was revenue this Are month? Are you going to make that 700 uh, Yeah. Because the whole valuation, yeah. what they're investing at, was all contingent on that dollar amount. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not all contingent, um, but it's It's very a big indicator. Because, yeah, it is, it is a very big indicator. So I agree. So unfortunately, uh, you know, we weren't able to make our 2016 numbers. And so we generated about $400,000 of revenue instead of 700,000. Okay. Um, and that really, um, that, that, that created kind of this whole whirlwind of questions and concerns. And so that actually um, rubbed Phil the wrong way. And so Phil ended up not investing um, but Jake, you know, obviously kind of understood. He did a good amount of diligence as well. And came back around. Yeah, and he saw the the opportunity of like our business. And so he said, you know, 
you know, even though you guys obviously missed this year, I'll still invest. Quick note. So Phil backed out of the deal, and I later found out that for similar reasons, so did Howie. And Jake stayed in, but I was super curious about the deal that Jillian had made. If you recall, she was the investor who committed the most money. And actually, Jillian was the first one to commit to invest. Um, and uh, For 500K? So, you know, uh, well, so actually it was interesting. So she had ca- caveated, I don't know if you remember, she has like her fund structure. Yeah. Um, and so structure uh, decided not to participate in the round just because I think kind of the, the the space was not necessarily their sweet spot. Um, okay, so how much did she end up putting in? So so she committed 100000 And she said, I'm in for 100000 Send me the investor documents. Okay. We had that term sheet. We were ready to take money. And Jillian had said, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to write a $100,000 check. On our end, we decided to not take her money because we were talking to two other investors that had been signaling that they would give us better terms. Jillian didn't invest? Well, no, she did not. And and this is where this is where it gets interesting. So, you know, we told I told Jillian, okay, give us a, like a month because we want to talk to the, you know, two other funds are saying, "Hey, we'll give you a higher than a 10 million dollar valuation." So basically, you know, I kind of put Jillian on the on the back burner um to, you know, allow the other lead investor to kind of get his act together and give us a term sheet. And so they actually those those new investors um they actually fell through. But when I came back to Jillian in January, um, she had already invested uh, everything that, that, that she was planning to invest for like the next year. What? Um, and so we actually missed out on her funding uh, because we didn't take the money back in November. Um, and so she, she just invested it somewhere else. Wait, what? Yeah, so never leave money on the table because it goes away and you unfortunately miss out on working with people. Uh, and that happened to us and uh, and it will never happen again, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but again, you know, you learn and a lot of people call it, it's funny, they call it the stupid tax. Um, so the stupid you, tax is that what you said? You, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to pay your stupid tax, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and you learn. I like I mean, that. So I I, I paid a hundred thousand dollars stupid tax. It uh, it, it kind of sucks, but you know it, it it's it's reality. So you is is it an investment or is it a tax? Yeah. Uh, now that now that I, you paid it once, does it does it reap benefits in the future? You think? I, I interesting. I, I think so. Uh, I, I, you know what? I like I like your uh, your half glass your glass half full <laughs> approach. So thanks for thanks for that. You know, optimism. Yeah. So what would you do differently um, if you could do it over? You know, I I think I would definitely be more conservative with our projections, one hundred percent. So you know, uh, for example, we w- one of the lead investors in, in this round. Uh, I sent them, it was, it was kind of funny. So in, in February, March, kind of finishing the diligence, they asked for a, kind of an updated set of financials. And I sent them the financial statements and they actually sent them back and said, can you be more aggressive with your financial statements? And Really? I, yeah, and so I was dinged two months ago for being too aggressive and now I'm not being aggressive enough. It's like, uh, it's like my dating life, like what am I doing wrong? You know, so, uh, so there you go. <laughs> So I take it you're still single. Yep, yep. In that that category, I I've decided to call myself emotionally unavailable, Josh. So <laughs> you're embracing uh, you it. You know that uh, that that's 
Yeah, well, what's, yeah, I, you gotta, you know. Uh, I have one love, and that love is baby scripts. I was going to say pregnant women, <laughs> but then that would make me sound really Yeah, creepy. don't say that. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's just baby scripts, okay? Okay, okay. How does it feel going from like over $800,000 invested on the show to $50,000 was all that ended up coming through in the end? Uh, it's a little disappointing. Um, we would have, I would have loved to have had every person in the room fully come through. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it was also good to go through the process with them and to learn a little bit more about how they're looking at our company because we've taken those lessons and we've applied them. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there, there is, there's no bad experience as an entrepreneur. I mean, um, I don't regret anything, and I'm very happy that I got to meet you and, and everyone else there. And the funny thing about this whole world is that it's a very small world. So I guarantee you I will run into Phil Nadell again uh, and into Jillian Manis. I, I run into Jake a lot because he actually invested in Howie Diamond. So we'll, uh, I'll, uh, and, and I look forward to that. My thoughts? If anything, I'd say Juan Pablo was a little too perfect in his pitch. No matter how good your pitch is, the proof truly is in the pudding. Can you actually follow through on what you've promised? And maybe Juan Pablo got a little too confident, turning down Jillian's money in favor of a better deal, a move that ultimately backfired on him. But regardless of the mistakes he's made, Juan Pablo sounds like he's taken those lessons to heart. In fact, He just told me he's about to finish this round of funding, where they ended up raising a total of $5 million for Baby Scripts. If you have any feedback for the show, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at thepitch at gimletmedia.com with your thoughts. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider writing us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It's a small thing you can do that makes a huge difference for our show. Thanks. We're currently on the hunt for exciting new startups that are raising seed for our next season to be recorded this August. So if you or someone you know is building something unique, go to thepitch.show slash apply and fill out the form to apply. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If you want to find out more, our website is thepitch.show. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pitch Show. And we've got a brand new newsletter you can sign up for at thepitch.show slash email. To hear scenes from our next week's episode, stay tuned till after the credits. Our show was produced by me, Josh Muccio, and Asta Chaturvedi. We were edited by Devin Taylor with help from Pat Walters, Caitlin Kenny, and Annie Rose Strasser. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Musemaker, Haley Shaw, Bobby Lord, John Kimbrough, and Lewis Weeks. We were mixed by Enoch Kim and Matt Bull. Special thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the Season 2 recording event last fall, and a special thanks to Eric Menel, and to Julie Rovner, who helped me wrap my head around the whole bundled payments concept. And a quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on our show. Finally, I do want to say a quick thank you to the original sponsor of season two, the It's Worth Doing Right family, for taking a leap of faith on us when we were just a tiny little independent podcast. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. I'm Josh Muccio. See you next week. Next week on The Pitch, 
we hear from a founder looking to reinvent the hotel experience by changing the way we look in the mirror. And I immediately thought, this can change the way customer service is done in a hotel room. You could do gambling in a hotel room in Vegas. And that's not convincing to me. Can I, can I talk? Okay, first of all, shame on you. New episodes of The Pitch come out on Wednesdays, 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.